0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off.
1: LinkedIn News.
0: Systemic discrimination does not stop at the workplace. Many of the barriers people face in their personal lives also exist or are amplified in the world of work and the hiring process. For people with disabilities, it can be the difference between working and being unemployed. We're talking all about it on today's episode. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. The pandemic was an awful experience, but it randomly led to some benefits for some people, especially in the workplace. For example, people with disabilities who may have struggled to navigate a commute or workplace did not have to worry as much about those barriers when everyone was working from home. Now, as people are returning to their offices and companies are setting a minimum number of days to be on site, those barriers are returning. Today, we're talking with someone who helps break down those barriers. Mark Raymond Jr. is an extraordinary individual who is well known for serving his community, especially in and around New Orleans. Then, a shallow diving incident in 2016 took away his ability to walk. He has gone on to found the Split Second Foundation to make people aware of the growing population of individuals impacted by disability. He advocates for their rights, works to fund research, and so much more. Mark joined me to talk about the barriers people with disabilities face in their job search, what employers can do to break them down, and what people can do to overcome
1: them. Here's Mark. COVID exposed, and this was a nuance, that we could actually really work well in this virtual environment which broadened the opportunities for people with disabilities. And that was a nuance that I don't think a lot of corporations really expected. And now living in this post-COVID world, that's made it a lot easier for people with disabilities to have employment.
0: Yeah. And I assume there is, whether it's unconscious or unspoken bias, too, where employers, they'll say, oh, if someone maybe has to use a walker to get around or has to use a wheelchair, they may think, I'm going to have to make all of these adjustments to the workplace or I'm going to have to make these accommodations. So I assume that is also a barrier, even though I assume most employers won't admit it, right?
1: Absolutely. I think the stigma around disability is that It's going to be a harder situation for a employer to manage. And quite honestly, having a diverse workplace like that typically makes your company better, right? Because people with disabilities are bringing that different perspective that a lot of people in society need to see and feel. But to your point about those barriers, and I think more so, how do we continue to break down that, is having people like myself have these conversations, right?
0: Yeah. And also, it's not an insignificant portion because you have people who have been needing mobility assistance or other types of accommodations throughout their life. Then there are people who maybe when they're younger, like yourself, that they got thrust into needing the accommodations. But then a lot of people, as they get older, they're going to find themselves also in those situations.
1: Absolutely. So and you hit the nail on the head. One in four people in America have some type of physical cognitive or sensory disability. Most people don't encounter the physical disabilities until later on in life, but some of us do, right? And whether that's from a spinal cord injury or a stroke or traumatic brain injury, an accident, anything could take us off our feet, right? You break your leg and that might put you in a wheelchair for a year. And you're still going through all of the same experiences that someone who is long-term disabled will go through. And it's a slippery slope downward When you start to really try to navigate it all
0: i know obviously remote work because of the pandemic was a boon to people with disabilities because all of a sudden that barrier wasn't there they were able to get hired from home they were able to work from home without the sort of societal or systemic barriers that exist in the workplace but some of that is fading what is the status right now would you say
1: we are definitely going in the right direction, right? We've made tremendous strides, thanks to legislation like the ADA and advocates just continuing to pound it. I think the virtual work environment definitely opened the door for a lot of opportunities for people with disabilities. And it took the stigma away because then all of those workplace accommodations didn't have to be made. It was more about productivity and continuing to build around that. And I'll also add, I think that there are a lot of really brilliant people both employers and consultants who are trying to solve for that problem through technology, right? So I use voice to text, voice to type a lot, and and that helps a lot of my productivity. I don't have good hand dexterity, so I can't type as fast as some people. So having all of those technology enhancements has made it a lot easier too for people. But a lot of times I do find that I'm educating employers, that people with disabilities definitely have value and can be as productive as able-bodied people. And the other side of that too, I'm also the national spokesperson for ABLE Today. ABLE accounts are a special savings and investment account for people with disabilities to help them save money, but also not to lose their mean-tested benefits, such as Social Security, Medicaid, in the case that they are on them. The issue that we have run into for so long is that The restriction on how much money a disabled person on these benefits can have is $2,000 at a time. So ABLE Accounts has solved that and gave people a better vehicle for saving and investing money, but also giving them the opportunity to go to work because now they don't have to worry about that asset limitation. Oh, that's great. It's been a really tricky environment to navigate, especially for like the developmental disability community who really pushed ABLE. The challenge with ABLE for a long time was that the eligibility to have an account was that your long-term disability had to be onset before the age of 26. And again, most people don't encounter disability until after that. Yeah. Now, there has been legislation that was passed this past year that will change that age to 46, but it doesn't go into effect until January of 2026. So going back to your original question, We are improving, but it's slow improvements. Yeah. And while accepting the improvements, also from a disability advocate perspective, understanding how we still have a lot of work to do before there's real equity. And I think another big thing that we can talk about in this space is DEI. And a lot of times, in my experience, I haven't seen disability really represented in the DEI conversation and that, that dynamic is starting to shift. And I think employers are really starting to focus more on ABLE and disability and how are we really ensuring that there is equitable work opportunities across the board for everyone in our country.
0: Are you seeing more companies
1: create ERGs for people with disabilities? We are seeing it, and that is a trend. And I think that goes in that same conversation around DEI. It's about the adoption percentage, though like how quickly are we getting every company to, to really invest in ERG We'll be right back with Mark Raymond
0: Jr. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan We had such deep empathy, we had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with the founder and CEO of Split Second Foundation, Mark Raymond Jr. For people who maybe are listening who work in talent or work in HR, What are things that companies can really do to be proactive and say this is something that we really do want to address internally to make sure that we are breaking down these systemic barriers that people face?
1: I think it starts with education, right? Because a lot of times when we don't understand something and we aren't educated on it, it scares us and we shy away from it. So educating employers and HR professionals about disability. There needs to be an intro to disability. And every organization should have a disability toolkit so that people are really getting the proper education and not approaching situations with people with disabilities from a place of ignorance. Because then it puts the responsibility of educating on the disabled person who's coming in and might have a lot going on. I think that's a great starting place. I think a developing communications tools, especially external communications that employers are looking for people with these diverse backgrounds and people of different abilities to work within their companies to help broaden the understanding within the company. And then going from external to internal communications, making sure that people are understanding how to be empathetic to certain situations. Empathy is a huge piece. And the more empathetic the employers are in doing all of this pre-work, I think you get a better work product.
0: Yeah. Definitely, and actually I remember one place where I was an intern and they had a very large population of their workforce who had visual impairments. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons was because they were a media-based company and they felt it made their product better because so many people do have visual impairments. They wanted to make sure that the people having a hand in creating the content could say, no, we need to do it this way because people who are at home who can't get the visual stimuli Here's how we can get around that.
1: It's such a great example of, like, again, that work product. Yeah. Right? Because they now have that insight, that's a whole market that they are touching. Yeah.
0: And like I said, I want to make sure that we also give people who face these barriers, especially when someone has a disability and maybe they lose their job or they find themselves out of work for whatever reason, or they want to reenter the workforce. I assume it seems like a pretty big hill to climb sometimes to say, okay, I'm going to put myself out there, but how do I do that? And I know I've received messages from people on LinkedIn who have said, listen, when do I tell them that I need accommodations for the interview? Because they're afraid if they lead with it, then they won't even get the interview. So for people who are entering the job search, what is your advice to them?
1: My advice would be to communicate whatever needs you have as soon as possible. Because one, it just gets it out of the way. And I'll use my own situation as a great example. I was a broadcast engineer prior to my accident. Very technical job where I had to take apart things and fix things. And unfortunately, because I didn't have the same dexterity in my fingers, I could not continue to do that job. And it was also a travel job. It was a huge mental hurdle for me having to reset and now think about, okay, what can I do? What benefits do I bring to society? Where could I fit? And that took time. And, and it also took courage for me to inevitably like embrace my disability and lead with it. Going back to the DI conversation too, I don't identify anymore as a young Black man. I in- identify as a disabled man. That is a huge part of my identity. And so leading with that identity so that people do have the expectation that I might need a door held open. I might need a more spacious office or situation that accommodates a power wheelchair. And it just gets a lot of that uncomfortability out of the way when we lead with it. Yeah.
0: And also, it seems to work for both people and the employer, because intrinsically you would say, oh, that way when someone shows up, things are ready, people are there to help, but obviously it may not always work that way. And I think maybe one of the toughest things is if people run into resistance with accommodations during the interview process, does that usually foreshadow what employment do you think would be like at that company?
1: You know, a part of the meter, too, is this the environment that I, as a person with a disability, want to work in if I'm rolling in for the interview and it's uncomfortable. We need to see that. I'm interviewing you as much as you're interviewing me. And also,
0: there are all different types of accommodations that may need to be made. So it's not just people who have physical disabilities. It could be neurodivergent. They might need accommodations when it comes to the type of interviews and things like that. Do you know of any resources for people that say, here's how you talk to an employer about maybe doing something differently during the interview process or doing something differently during the hiring process? Or is that still a place where there is a huge need?
1: I I think that's a place where there's a huge need. Honestly, a part of the work that Split Second Foundation does is in workforce development and vocational training for people with disabilities to figure out, again, what their niche could be post-accident. And for us, it's building a database of vendors who understand disability and almost have like our stamp, whether that's from the music industry or movie industry or banking or hospitality, which is huge in New Orleans. There are a host of jobs that people with different abilities can do, and then educating our population of different abilities, people on how to engage in those jobs. And we're still like figuring out what the right toolkit looks for both, Mm -hmm. what the right communication needs to be, and how do we scale that so that it becomes easier over time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what else during the hiring process do you think are barriers that people may need to overcome or things that? you would suggest they do during the process to make
1: it easier on them it it really goes just back to communication and empathy i think once those two boxes are checked typically employers and potential employees can find that middle ground but we're looking for people in places that we feel comfortable and comfort is everything in that space
0: yeah and I think something that I often hear too is when people do run into barriers during the interview process or interacting with an employer, the Americans with Disability Act, and I know obviously people listen to this podcast elsewhere, and maybe there are laws and regulations where you live, hopefully there are, people will often say, get a lawyer and all this other stuff. And I assume a lot of people, they don't want to go through that trouble. So for people who maybe they do feel discouraged after... Maybe they meet an employer where clearly there's resistance, and even if they have that little marketing thing that says that they don't discriminate and they're ADA compliant and all that, what is your advice to them so they don't get discouraged and just turn away from the job search altogether?
1: The biggest piece of advice I can give is know your rights. Like To your point, under the ADA of the Title II protections and the anti-discrimination efforts against employers discriminating against hiring somebody, because of disability, right? A lot of people just don't understand their rights. And so a huge part of what we need to do a better job of is educating people on those rights and making sure that they understand just because you have a disability doesn't mean that you aren't valued and you shouldn't qualify for this job. That should not exclude you from a qualification perspective at all. Another big piece of that, again, is communication.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else that you think people should know or anything that maybe I didn't ask about that we should touch on?
1: Let me speak to Louisiana specific. Mm -hmm. The Louisiana Workforce Commission has vocational training opportunities for people with disabilities. In the nuance of disability, like for me, it was also about resetting my own expectations for how people would receive me. And so going through a training like what was offered in the vocational training to just Give me an idea of the types of jobs that are out there and also the types of jobs that help me understand uh, what I might be interested in, what spaces really made sense for me. I would advise everybody to lean on and look for those types of programs, right? Sharpen your resume and make sure you are being your whole and genuine self when you are rolling into any of these situations or walking, you know, whatever your ability case may be. Yeah. Because that genuineness typically carries further and will get you into the right employment situation.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you.
1: This has been a great interview.
0: That was the founder and CEO of the Split Second Foundation, Mark Raymond Jr. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Also, if you like this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday, because we'll be continuing these conversations on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow, Rafa Freya is our associate producer, Asa Gidron engineered our show, Joe DiGiorgi mixed our show, Dave Pond is head of news production, Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer, Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn, Dan Roth is the editor in chief of LinkedIn, and I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.